Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're recording live from the Astroglide Studios. And uh, so much good stuff going on. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about attachment. What? I know. It's a buzzword you're going to hear more about. Basically, it helps us connect and understand how early relational stuff, you know, family of origin, really later determines partially how we feel within relationships. Are we anxious? Are we avoidant? Do we feel great? Do we trust? Do we not trust? Going to kind of walk us through uh, identifying where we are within all that and how it works against us or works for us. Lots going on in terms of gender. So, you know, always for dull, we'll just say that. Um, Demi Lovato came out as non-binary. And I was looking at some articles talking about being non-binary and I wanted to just kind of run through what does that even mean now some of our listeners identify as non-binary others are like what we don't all know this already well I I, want to kind of help individuals learn so if this is something that's familiar to you awesome but it might be new for some people so what is non-binary um it's 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 a gender expression right gender comes in hundreds and hundreds of different forms gender is absolutely not tied to our genitals or anatomy right gender is the external it's uh how we move through the world how we present how we like to be seen right and all of us get to decide uh and should decide what our what our gender is um traditionally though you are diagnosed at birth with a gender based on the anatomy that the doctors and your parents see and they assume that gender will be tied to your physical sex characteristics right not the case not the case often not tied at all you know one does not speak to the other so what is non-binary it's a term used to describe individuals who may experience a gender identity that is neither exclusively male or female. Maybe it's in between, maybe it's beyond, none of, totally independent at times of those two. <clears throat> I love that, that's health. The diversity and creativity that that is, that can be. We see this in the animal kingdom as, all, as well. A lot of different forms and expressions of gender. It's a really beautiful thing, but it's not a third gender. Right? It's a concept that encap- encapsulates anything really outside of the binary of male or female. So it's someone who's saying they're not that, they're other. And I love that because it leads us to question, how do, you, how do you see yourself? And we should all be questioning that. Far too many of us, I think, fall in line with the gender we are diagnosed with, and it really can keep us limited and trapped. So non-binary is about stepping outside of that. It's beautiful. Um, sometimes these individuals 
will see themselves as maybe uh, an array of genders. Maybe some feel a little close to the binary of male or female. Some are in between or a blend. Some change, and that's great. I love the idea of what gender really feels most honest for who I am today or this year or in totality. But um, some non-binary individuals see themselves as part of the trans umbrella, right? Some don't. Uh, so some people might use or feel comfortable with words like trans or transgender to describe themselves. Uh, and then you'll see sometimes NB. That's the phonetic version of NB, which stands for non-binary. Um, E-N-B-Y would kind of be how that would be spelled. Um, and I think this is meaningful. Like I said, Demi Lovato has come out as a non-binary. Um, Janelle Monet has come out as non-binary. Sam Smith. And uh, those would be individuals then that go by they and them right? Not he and him or she and her. It'd be they and them. And I love that. Um, it really allows the person to be a true individual. You know, we love individualism in America. Well, this is what that looks like. Um, a multitude of other individuals. I'm not familiar with all these different people. So not necessarily going to run through all the people that came out, but are you guys, do you guys remember from Grey's Anatomy, Sada Ramirez? Um, amazing, amazing actor and uh, is non-binary, and dun-da-da-da, drumroll, has been cast in the new Sex in the City reboot. It's going to be the show's first non-binary character. You know, again, that wasn't a term that was really recognized um, when the first show began airing. So I think that's awesome. Part of the awesomeness of that is that it, you know, it's representation. Media is a powerful normalizer and socializer, and it lets us see what's possible gives a name to things. So I'm really thankful for that. Um, and then really quickly, just sticking with the binary um, and gender discussion, I want to just read something really quickly, um, just kind of finish off the segment. And this is from Jeffrey Marsh, who is um, a really, really great activist and put out a tweet that I wanted to read. And it says, hey, cis folks. And cis means uh, not trans. So cis, trans. Uh, here's what you do if you mess up a trans person's pronouns. And I thought, what, did, what an interesting thing just to cover, because I think a lot of people are like, well, I want to be caring and compassionate, and I want to humanize, so how do I go about dealing with someone's pronouns, not knowing what they are, but more importantly, what do I do if I mess up? What if I call someone the wrong pronouns? So I love Jeffrey. He gives three steps, and I think this is phenomenal. I've, you know, we've all been there. Number one, apologize briefly and sincerely. Yeah, own that you messed up. There's no shame in that. Then restate the sentence with the correct pronoun, right? Go back and do it over. And finally, move on. <laughs> you know, just say sorry, do better, be better afterwards and educate others. You know, it'd be something important for us all to talk about. Talk to your children about it. You know, these are important topics. These are things that they will encounter in the world or might be themselves. And we can, from an early age, normalize that, give them the languaging and the confidence. And that's how we change the world. We got a lot of changing to do as well. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about Dating and attachment. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris. Love Line is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and we're talking about secure attached relationships. Now, basically what that means is, and my God, I got to give you a massive uh, disclaimer caveat to this. We're talking about the kind of relationship where you do want closeness and you do want commitment. And that's called an, um, excuse me, that's called an attachment based relationship. It's called a secure relationship. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. What are the qualities of that? How to build that? But don't misuse it. This is where it's like the honor system. We're talking about the qualities and the behaviors you want to utilize so as to present to the other as someone who is interested in commitment and attachment. If you are looking for something casual, absolutely do not do these things. Do not perform or fake interest or commitment that isn't honest for what you want or are looking for. That's how we manipulate mislead. So this is what you want to do or what you want to seek if you are looking for a truly committed attachment-based relationship. And like I said, do the opposite of this if you want something casual. I want everyone to be honest about what they're open to. That's ethical sex and dating is being honest if you want something casual, being honest if you want something more serious and committed, right? It's a journey. And, and where you are at the beginning does not necessarily promise or determine where you'll be down the road. You know, I'm not saying on, you know, a first date or in early dating that anyone could ever promise or commit to something long-term with you, right? Dating is to explore and see if we're built for and should be in a committed relationship, right? Dating is not the relationship. So we're gonna talk about the kinds of things that you start building in in dating when you've decided, I do think I wanna give this person a chance. No one can promise or commit to anything longer term. We don't know. We don't know what's going to emerge. We don't know who we're going to be as a couple. But these are the kinds of things you want to seek and try to build, right? So what are the qualities of a truly secure, attached relationship? Ready? <clears throat> these are the things you should be trying to create, and these are the things you should be trying to look for in the other. Now, again, another disclaimer, when in doubt, ask. When in doubt, ask. I don't want people to be showing and reading text messages to friends like it's a, you know, using their secret decoder ring to figure out what we think they mean and what they want. Ask. Ask. We don't need to mind read. We're building adult, honest relationships. Hey, we've been hanging out a lot. Really unsure what your interest is. Are you interested in something casual or are you looking to build something more serious? It's that simple. Your friends don't know what those texts mean. Only the person who sent them does. And so we're building honest, open relationships. So I want to just keep calling that out. We're not living off of assumptions. We're not mind reading. We're asking. We're asking. But also, we're sharing let people know when I was out there casually dating, I'd let people know, Hey, just so you know, I'm only looking for something casual or I don't know what I want. I'm open to seeing. So let's see, are you open to seeing, you know? Um, but the qualities that build the foundation for a truly secure relationship are consistency, 
availability, reliability, and responsiveness. So again, if you are looking to build a committed attachment-based secure relationship with someone, be consistent, be consistent, be available, be reliable, and be responsive. On the other hand, we're asking, but we're also assessing, is this person consistent? Are they available? Are they reliable? Are they responsive? And if not, it's most likely because they're not interested in a truly committed, attached, secure relationship. And those are the big academic terms we use to say, this person wants to wire with you. They want to truly form a relationship. They're going to honor and be accountable to you and how you impact them. They're looking to see if we can build instead of an I and a me, an us and a we, and move through life together. These are not the things that a casual relationship should be bringing. Casual relationships don't need to be consistent. They don't need to always be available. They don't need to be highly responsive. They don't know, you know, reliability. I mean, my God, I hope you can at least be reliable. But those are the things we want to look for and those are the things we want to create. So ask yourself, in this relationship you're in, are you consistent or should you be? Are you maybe not doing these things, but you need to because you do want something committed, right? If you're confused, ask your partner what it is they're looking for. If you're confused, ask yourself. But those are the key terms, consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. We can apply that to every relationship. That's, that's called being a good friend. That's called being a good loved one. That might be called a family member. If again, you truly are interested in building a committed relationship with whoever this person is, right? So that's the first piece. And that's, that's probably the most important piece is that little bit of quality. So then we kind of push forward and we say, what are the most important relational roles that we want to create and enhance to make the person feel secure? Because that's usually what comes up in early relationship. Can I let go? Can I trust them? Can I continue to bond? Can I continue to fall in love? Is it safe, right? Um, to the best that it can be or to the best that I can be aware of at this moment right? Because if the person is already disinterested, then it isn't, right? But if they're open, then that's the best we can do. So again, as always, ethics, we want to leave people better off than better off from having been with us than how we found them, or at least neutral. So again, here's the question. Are you being available? Are they available? Do you allow them to form some level of dependence on you? That's about the consistency and the reliability and the availability. Can they be a little dependent on you? healthy level of interdependence is good. That shows that we're building something. Do you comfort them? Can you start to? Do you empower and encourage them? Do you boost their self-esteem or do you take away? Because again, in healthy relationships, again, we're available. We allow a level of dependence. We are there to comfort them. We empower them. We encourage them. We boost their self-esteem. If anything short of that is happening, either it's very casual or maybe you're also in a very unhealthy relationship. But again, we're starting with ourselves first. So that's the first question you have to ask yourself. I love these words, empower, encourage, and boost their self-esteem. That's love. That's, that's someone really showing they care about us. That's that enhancement. I think if nothing else, every relationship in our life, we should require some form of enhancement or at least again, neutral. All right, we're gonna take a little break and when we come back, uh, we're gonna keep talking about this. This again are the qualities that we wanna build in or assess for to really determine what's going on and whether or not this relationship is truly an intimate, committed relationship. Uh, so when we come back, we'll be breaking that on down and then uh, we'll be sliding into those DMs. If you've got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page in those DMs and uh, yeah, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey.
All right, we're back. And uh, I'm trying to water down what is a very academic intellectual exercise. We talk about attachment and attachment theory. And basically, again, it's looking at um, people's early environments and it kind of sets them up for a certain attachment style. The relationships we're in later in life reinforce that or really heal and dismantle that. Depends what the work is. And it's behaviors that we engage in or seek in order to really feel safe and to let our nervous systems wire. In a truly healthy, committed relationship, our nervous systems wire. We are only separated by skin. We do make people feel certain ways. We do impact others. We are connected. We go from an I and a me to an us and a we. A true attached relationship has a neurobio fusion. It really is. It's a regression. There is a level of dependence that is created. And that's why I'm saying again, consistency, availability, reliability, and responsiveness are the ways that we allow for that to happen. That lets us know that it's safe. That lets us know that this person is looking to merge and build something. We have to be available. We want to be there to comfort them. We want to also, and I love these words, empower them, encourage them, and actually have a positive impact on their self-esteem. My God, it, it sounds so simple, but, but that's not what everyone's relationship is rooted in. And that means either they have a lot of attachment trauma to work through. That means maybe they're not that interested. That means maybe they want something more casual or they don't understand what love looks like because love never involves abuse. It doesn't. And in early childhood, some of us were forced to hold the two. We didn't know any different, but that wasn't love if abuse was folded in there. They might've cared for you and also been abusive, but someone who loves you does not abuse. And you have to kind of mourn that loss, different topic. So attachment and dating, secure again, because we break it down into there's secure, there's anxious, and there's avoidant. There's probably a multitude of other styles, uh, but we really collapse them down into those three. And it's really important to assess what is our inherent relational style? What is the style of the other? And also what are we working towards? And you have to hold all three of those. That's what you're always up against. What's been built into you, what's been built into them, and then what your actual goal and vision is. And how do we merge all three of those into the same? It's great if we all have secure attachment styles because we all came from really available, um, reliable families and everyone we've dated since then has reinforced that. And we want that, bam, easy path. But very few of us have come out of early childhood social worlds and then also the sex and dating world unharmed. Most of us have small T traumas, lower level, or big T traumas, true traumatic events around that that makes it hard. So what does secure look like? This is what we're trying to move towards in ourselves. This is what we're trying to hope to uncover in our partner. Because if not, it might be difficult. Ideally, we find someone secure. So again, that looks like this. Someone's a securely attached individual, aka very healed, right? Very safe. If they communicate effectively, they're very clear. You never, you never, you know, you always know where they're at. You always know where they're standing. You always know what they want. Right, and when I mean where they're at, I mean in terms of relationship and emotionality. They affect, they they communicate very confidently and clearly. But if you're never quite sure what they want, how they feel, where they are with you, then that means either they're not securely attached and they have some healing to do, or they're not they're not that into you. They don't want anything that serious, and that's why they're allowing some of that vagueness. That's how they're creating a little bit of space and distance. That's how they're really honoring where they're at. Okay, so that's the secure style. So that's some people. Oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't even go through the rest of the qualities. What am I doing? I'm jumping ahead. Uh, so, our, so again, we're starting with ourselves. Are we secure attached? Or do we have to work on stepping more into these behaviors? So I'm listing what should be your goal if you're not already there. And again, could you effectively communicate? Do you tell people what you want and where you're at? That's the hardest one for most people. If you want something casual, do you tell them that? You know what I mean? If they let you down or your feelings are hurt, do you tell them that? 
If you're interested in seeing them more, are you confident and willing to say that? Hey, I'd love to see you more. Can we spend more time together? Effective communication. Next, we make our needs known. Kind of ties into the effective communication, but we make our needs known. I remember within a couple of weeks of the person I'm now in a committed, serious relationship with, I remember saying, hey, I would love to talk more. Could we check in every day? And I'd love to do it on FaceTime. I'd love to feel closer. And they wanted the same thing I wanted. And so they said, absolutely, that sounds great. We were both open to that. We both had a vision of a securely attached relationship and we both were securely attached. And so we effectively communicated. We made our needs known. Also securely attached people don't play games. There's no game playing needed. We know what we want. We're with someone who wants what we want and we move forward and do it. Bam, no games. Also, they create closeness and togetherness together. They're present, they're consistent, and they're reliable. So again, if someone isn't these things or you're not, it's either because you have healing to do and that's what you're working towards being or they don't want a secure attachment-based relationship. They want something loose and casual and not that serious. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. People are allowed to be where they are. I just wish, again, they would effectively communicate that and make their needs known. And then no one's harmed. Everyone feels cared for. And we can just lovingly say, oh, you know what? I did want something serious. Thank you for telling me you didn't. Maybe we are in two different places and we shouldn't be dating. That's what that should look like. It shouldn't be someone has to go, someone has to get hurt. And if you're asking for more and they're not giving, it's because they don't want to. And you have to, instead of demanding or trying to change them, accept that and find someone who wants what you want. So that's the, the secure style. Uh, we're going to take a break and do some DMs. But when we come back, we're going to keep talking about all the different attachment styles so we can identify our attachment style so we know what our work looks like. Uh, past episodes of Channel Q or past episodes of Loveline. Sorry. Go to wearechannelq.com, scroll on down, click on it. There's my face. There they are. And uh, coming up next, DMs, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, now it's time to glide into those DMs, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. And uh, tonight's DM, dun, 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 dun. As always, the DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Anonymous and confidential, I read people's names when they put them in there because they want that shout out, which, hey, I'm here for that. But uh, anything you're wondering about, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I wanted to ask you a question <clears throat> about my best friend. I noticed uh, that he has kind of lost himself during the pandemic. I think a lot of people can relate to that um, strange time. He lost his job, oh, hurts my heart, not too long ago, and he's been really struggling ever since. It's so interesting, you know, culturally here in America and in a lot of other um, <clears throat> places, we've really set our identity, right? Uh, who we see ourselves to be in the world tied to our jobs and our careers. And so the loss of a job or career for a lot of people means loss of self. Who am I in the world if I'm not, you know, technician, um, sound engineer, if I'm not, you know, a chef, right? Like, well, then who are we? It's fascinating. Uh, we often, again, tie our identities to our sexual orientation. Like, I am straight. Well, no, you're, you're not that. That might be, <laughs> that might tell us about the gender choice when you're dating, but like you're, you're, you're more than that, right? Uh, well, I'm a chef. Well, yes, yes, you, you love food. You know, you cook as a, for a living, but you're also more than that, right? But we like shrink our, our total self down to these like basic identity labels. And again, the only problem with that is, well, they limit us, they confine us, there's stereotypes tied to them. But also, if we lose that, that restaurant job, who are we? What are we, right? So I appreciate that. I appreciate that people can really spiral into confusion. Anyway, back to the question. Uh, here's your question. You said he's gotten into drugs. 
mostly MDMA, weed, alcohol. I'm afraid it's getting serious. Like the other day, we were out at breakfast, and I noticed that he put something in his water. When I asked him, he said it was just a little kickstart. But it was like 9 a.m. on a Wednesday. Ah, oh, at what point do I dress this with him? It worries me that he's spending what little money he has on these things and that he could be falling into a really big hole of depression and we would never know because he's always the fun, happy guy. Oh, I feel that. You know, uh, people are where they are, um, but I appreciate that there's some cultural markers that kind of let us know someone's maybe not doing that great, like putting a little kickstart in your water on 9 a.m. on a Wednesday. It's 9 a.m. You should be refreshed because you just woke up. You know what I mean? You shouldn't need much. Maybe a little coffee, you know? So I'm glad I'm glad this friend has you because it sounds like you really care. You're not attacking. You're not, you know, blaming. Um, when I, I mean, your main question is, at what point do I address this with him? Immediately, right? I want us all to have the kinds of relationships where we can bring up everything and anything. Don't, don't accuse. Don't assume. Uh, maybe you put caffeine powder in there or a flavor water. I don't know, right? So we don't assume. We don't attack. We don't blame. We don't label. We don't diagnose. But I'd love for you to say, hey, how's your mental health, right? I love that question because it's a shift and it lets him know that you're serious. And maybe he'll, the floodgates will open and he'll tell you. And then you can help him figure out what's needed. Or he'll maybe just say something like, I'm fine. And then you can lovingly and supportively lean back in and say, I'm worried. I want, I want you to be transparent with him. I want you to say, I'm worried. You know, I'm, I'm aware of the drug use. And I'm concerned for you. Period. And that's it. And that has to be it. And you have to accept that that's it. We can let people know that we're here. We can let people know that we care. And that's all we can do because know that he might not be ready the day you choose to bring that up to open up and share and step into solutions and process. He might need more time. You're ready to address it. You're ready to talk about it, but he might not be. And so all you need to know is let him know I'm here. I see you and I care and I love you. And so just lead from that. And if he's not available and shuts it down, well, then you honor that. He's an adult, you know, but we want people to know that we're there and we care and feel free to lean in again. You know, hey, still letting you know I'm, I'm here. I'm worried about you. But we don't force help on people ever. We don't force ourselves into their lives. And we don't force people to be in a stage of readiness because we are, you know, or because we're worried. I don't know how he feels about it. But ask him how his mental health is. That's how we start that conversation. Let him know you're worried about what you're seeing and you care for him. And then you end it with, well, let you know that I'm here. And stay close. I don't agree. We don't. We, the field no longer agrees with, ah, let him go. Let him hit rock bottom. No, we don't do that. We help them survive right? We do harm reduction. You let him know you're there and you constantly continue to be there, whether he's on drugs or not. You keep showing up. You keep making plans with him. You keep letting him know that there's someone there that cares about him. That's how we keep people alive. Um, all right. Going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about attachment theory. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, I'm back. Uh, and of course, we are recording live from the Astroglide studios. Lube, 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 y'all. I can't even tell you how important lube is to add to your sex life. It enhances everything, especially solo sexuality. Uh, we've talked about it before, but uh, Astroglide lube, get in on that. Um, so before the DM, before the break, we were talking about attachment styles. All of us have one. And basically, that is at first set up for us in our family of origin, our early life, based on the kind of attachment style our parents have and how reliable they are, how loving they are, how supportive, how consistent. Those key words I shared with you earlier, remember the key terms 
are dun, 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 consistency, availability, reliability, responsiveness. If we didn't have that in early life, we might have more of an anxious or avoidant attachment style because we don't trust that people are caring. We don't trust. We've been shown to not believe that our needs will get met. We've been shown to believe that if we ask for what we want or need, we'll get ignored, right? And then every relationship after that heals us because we start to be shown, oh no, people are reliable. They are consistent or the opposite because we date you know, unhealthy people or we're not honest with what we want and what they want, right? When you hang in, a relationship where someone doesn't want to be with you and you stick around anyway and you want serious and they want committed, you're not helping heal your attachment style. You're actually reinforcing it unconsciously. So as adults, the work is realizing what style do we have? Are we secure, anxious, or avoidant? Doing the necessary work to heal that, having a vision of what healthier behaviors look like and trying to start to step into those. But then we're also trying to assess the attachments of our partner because if we're anxious and they're anxious, Yikes. If we're anxious and they're avoidant, oh my God, we're going to always be wondering if they want us and like us and they get overwhelmed by that kind of stuff. So they're always leaning away and that triggers us more. Ideally, we want to work on being secure and finding someone secure. That's the most ideal scenario. So I'm calling out these traits so we can do the necessary work. So before the break, and again, if you want to listen to past episode, go to wearechannelq.com. You'll find it. We talked about secure are you secure? And if not, this is what it looks like being effective in your communication, making your needs known, not playing games, wanting togetherness and closeness and being present, consistent and reliable. If that isn't how you are with people you want to be in a committed relationship with work towards that. And if your partner isn't those things, then you're with someone who's not securely attached and they're anxious or avoidant, which we're going to get into now. And it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. They have to be willing to work on their anxious or avoidant style for you to have that secure relationship. So what does anxious look like? Well, anxious can look like what we call toxic monogamy, where you're always jealous. You find everything threatening. If they go out with their friends, you're threatened. If they talk to an ex, you're threatened. You're always wondering where they're doing, what they're doing, where they are. You always think they're misleading you. You're always anxious. You're always overwhelmed. You're wondering why they're not getting back to you. And again, the question is, is that because you have an anxious style and you don't trust and you're not grounded and you can't ask for your needs? Or is it that they're not interested or that they're just avoidant? Like it's always those big questions. Sometimes it's because you want something they don't want. And other times it's because they want what you want, but because of their anxious or avoidant attachment style, they're not good at asking for their needs or really dealing with closeness. Because avoidant people if we use the true term avoidance, they are interested. They do want a relationship. An avoided person does like you. It's just closeness and effective communication is foreign to them and it's overwhelming to them and they don't utilize it. But they still do want to be with you. That's different, being an avoidant attachment style than someone who's just not interested. And you have to suss out the difference and it's hard. But again, an anxious person is always jealous, always threatened, always overwhelmed, nothing's enough, they're always worrying, you would identify yourself as clingy and you would identify yourself as always trying to control. If that's you, you have work to do. You're anxious. A secure person isn't going to date you. They're going to find you very overwhelming and not healthy enough to be a partner. So do the work of being secure. Work on being more effective in your communication. Make your needs known. Don't play those games. Settle down and honor their boundary. Understand that space is okay. Therapy is a great a resource for someone like that because an anxious attachment style is very overwhelming to most people right? And then also we have to assess if that's our partner. And now finally we land with avoidant. This is someone who gets cold feet. This is someone who's always trying to minimize commitment. Someone who's always needing a little bit of distance and space. It's also someone who might use words like waiting for the one, 
right? These are people where they don't know how to just settle in, right? They're anxiously thrown off. They always think there's better or maybe there's something that'll work more. And it's not because they're not interested in the person they're with now. It's just they're always holding space. They always have a leg out. And that's a really hard attachment style to be in a relationship with. So if you're that person, you want to work on being more consistent, more reliable. You want to work on leaning in. You have to learn how to tolerate that. Because again, if you're trying to date healthy, secure people, they're not going to be cool with you disappearing for days at a time because it's overwhelming for you to reach out and keep up, even if interested. They're going to want someone who's equally as secure. And that's what really it's about. Can we get secure? Can we find someone secure? And then we just move on and life is easy. It's like when I always say, relationships take work, but they shouldn't take that much work. If they do, then something's off. You know, One of us isn't ready, one of us isn't interested, or one of us has some really um, unhealed wounds that need some work and resolution. All right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about what does the work look like? Because I'm assuming you're all saying, bam, we wanna work on this. We wanna dismantle this. We wanna be better for ourselves and for others. So when we come back, we'll be talking about that. Uh, yeah, Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. All right, we're back and we're talking about attachment style. It's really important. It helps us identify what our work is to be a better partner and to be in healthy relationships. Helps us better identify the attachment style of people we're trying to date to understand if they're interested or not and what their work is and also trying to create a vision for what kind of relationship do we want to have? Reliable, consistent, right? Those are the two big ones. Availability, reliability, consistent, right? Responsive. That's what the goal is. So what's the work? Well, if you realize you're anxiously attached, right? You're the person who's always jealous, always worrying, always clinging. You're, you're trying to find someone who's securely attached. You want to find someone who is a communicator. They make their needs known and they feel very safe. You're going to need that because if you're dating someone who's equally as anxious, it's going to be a hot mess. You got to learn what secureness looks like and you got to try to embody and live in it. You have to try to settle yourself down. You have to try to not be clingy. You have to try to not constantly make them reassure you. You have to not constantly set rules and control because you're always feeling jealous. This is your work. This is not about them. They're living their life in a fine way. You also have to also focus on your life and your passions. Anxious people put all their time, energy, and effort in worrying about, stressing about, and trying to keep up with their partner to the detriment of living their own life. The work for someone anxious is to also focus on their life. Go engage in a hobby. Go be present at work. Go also socialize with your friends. Take, take, give some breathing room. Anxious people have to learn healthier boundaries, right? Um, anxious people have to learn to be authentic. Anxiously attached people really struggle to make their needs known. They don't feel like they're worth asking for what it is they need. They have to be calm in their expression, right? They have to work on not assuming the worst, that if someone goes unavailable for a few hours or a few days, that doesn't necessarily mean we've been abandoned, right? You have to not jump to conclusions. So what's the work for someone who's avoidant? Well, avoidant people, people that are always kind of leaning out, always have one foot out, even when interested, your work is staying longer, right? Sticking around and trying to find confidence in the relationship. Your work is about opening up and sharing more. You got to share more. Some of your avoidance is that you stay silent. You don't express thoughts and feelings, right? Also, if a zone is avoidant, who always has one foot out, you got to work on allowing imperfections. Avoidant people really struggle to understand that we're looking for good enough and there's always going to be something missing. But that doesn't mean it's not a good relationship, 
right? The work for someone who's avoidant is also to look for the greatness in others. Avoidant people tend to only see the negatives or the lack. So you have to also work on saying, what is good about this person? What are the benefits? What are the strengths? Almost like a human gratitude list, right? What's great about this person? You have to get rid of the idea that there's the one, someone who's perfect for you. It's a fantasy. You want to check in with your partner on a more regular basis. You're working on being responsive and consistent and reliable, right? Here's a huge one. And this is a really big one that can trigger avoidant, uh, I'm sorry, can trigger anxious people is when fighting, you have to reassure them that you're not leaving and that it's not bad or broken. You have to let anxious people know, because avoidants are really good at this, that they're already avoidant. And then when they get in a fight, they need more space and distance. And that really triggers panic in, in anxious people. So you have to let them know that we're fighting, but this is okay. This is an acceptable, healthy part of a relationship. Also for avoidance, you have to follow through. If you say you're going to text, text. If you say you're going to call, call. If you say you're going to make plans, make plans and show up. Also, you have to validate the feelings of the other. It's, it's not simple, but you have to always decide, are they just not that into you? Or is it that they maybe have an avoidant attachment style? They're trying. It's just hard for them to be close and connected. There's a big difference. And some people will say, someone avoidant is just not that into you because so not reaching out a lot, but that's because of their anxiety. Avoidant people have anxiety with closeness and togetherness. Where an anxious person is always reaching out and always saying, well, I haven't heard from you. What's going on? Are you okay? Are you mad at me? Like they're the opposite. It's a different kind of anxiety, but they both have it, right? But with insecure relationships, you never have to wonder if everything's okay or when the next date is or if the person likes you because in secure relationships, they tell you. They express openly, I really like you. I really liked hanging out with you. You always know you'll see them again. When you reach out, they're right there responding. They always have a plan. There's no room for questions or worry in secure relationships. Everyone knows what's going on. And if you have a question, they'll give you a healthy answer. Hey, we don't spend that much time together. Are you wanting something casual? A secure person will say yes, or they'll say absolutely not. I've just been very busy, right? You never have to wonder where you stand in secure relationships. But again, you have to also ask yourself, is it, is it that it's never enough for me and it's my work or is it them? It's not simple, but as you'll notice, it's often in the conflict that we really show whether we can be trusted or they can trust us. And so for a lot of these styles, when conflict shows up, it's when the real work begins. That's why I love conflict. Um, enjoy when things are good, right? But it's in the times of conflict that we really show if we can let our guard down, right? Things can go bad and the person's still there. You know, they're still interested. Um, because it's really about the success of a relationship, right? It's longevity, but not just it's longevity because I don't want it just to be about that. We're so hung up on that, how long it lasts and wanting forever. It's more about how happy are we? What's the quality, right? Uh, how well do they work together? How well do they listen to each other? Do they both have equal power and choice? And are they able to be there to help co-regulate? When one is overwhelmed or stressed out, the other one's there to comfort. But those are the big ones. Do we work well together? Do we listen? Do we have equal power and say in this relationship? And then are they there to help co-regulate? Because that's what's really healing and really bonding. you know. And then, of course, they always say, and we talked about this once before, the five to one, that for every relationship to really feel stable, we need a ratio of five positive experiences for every one negative. Yeah, I mean, one to five, that's a huge imbalance. But negativity has that much of an impact where for every negative event, we need five positive ones. That's just to like, that's not even for improvement. That's just to maintain like a basic balance and stable homeostasis, five to one. But you can build that in. You had a really rough day or you had a really rough weekend, take five, the next five days and really build them in to be a very robust, loving, connected time. Like when we have formulas, we can apply them. 
But that, but you have to be willing to do that. You know what I mean? You have to be, you have to care enough about self and other in the relationship to apply that. Um, got to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about triggers. It's, it's all still sticking in this whole concept of what does a healthy relationship look like, right? What are the things that to hold myself and my partner accountable to being healthy for self and other, uh, being a healthy, mature adult, a lot of work, but it's worth it. All right. We'll be back. Uh, you're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about triggers. This ties into all the stuff we're talking about, about trying to be more securely attached. How do we present and build a kind of relationship that has happiness and quality in it? It's not just about sustainability. Because again, there's no health in being in a long-term relationship if it wasn't mentally positive or enhancing for all people involved. Triggers. Now that gets brought up. Someone's securely attached, meaning they've done the work, they're consistent, they're reliable, maybe they're dating someone who isn't. Here's an important thing. We sling this word around all the time. When we say, well, that triggered me, or that triggers me, or I feel triggered, people misuse that, and they use it to say, whoever did something or whatever was done, that needs to not happen again. That's not the starting point. You are responsible for your triggers. Triggers show you where your work is. Triggers, when you're triggered, show you where you still need healing, where you still have wounds and trauma. So the first point is you learn about yourself. Those are yours. You are responsible for removing them, mitigating them, watering them down, resolving them. But you learn about your triggers so you can remove them from the world. It's not about telling everyone to not create these. Those are for us. Now, when someone says something like, and I'll use it, I'll say content warning or trigger warning, well, that is me taking responsibility for what's about to come, knowing that that might throw some people off. And loving, lovingly, people might be willing to do that, call it out, but they're not responsible for not doing it. As you notice, I'll say trigger warning, and then I go into the topic anyway. I'm willing to do that, but they show us where our wounds are. We can't weaponize that. Now, a loving partner will want to know what our triggers are, what our traumas are, what our unhealed wounds are, so they can maybe, as the best they can, not walk us in or create it, but it falls on us to know what they are and to heal them so that they don't exist. That shows us where the work is. But people will, again, use that against their partner. Well, that triggers me when you do that, aka, so I think you shouldn't do that. It's like, well, no. They should still do things that are meaningful, make sense to them, and that we have to sit and comfort ourselves. For instance, friends with exes. Someone might say, well, I'm triggered by the idea that you're going to spend time with your friend who's an ex. But that tells you, you need to do some healing around boundaries, confidence, trust, because we're talking in the context of a healthy relationship. Your, your partner should, if they're healthy and the ex is healthy, spend time with their ex. Friends with exes is a healthy thing. And they shouldn't not do it because you're uncomfortable. It's okay for them to say, I hear that you're uncomfortable. I trust that you'll work through that. I'm here to keep talking about it. But this is a person that's been in my life and I will continue to see them. That doesn't mean they have to immediately stop and cease whatever behavior it is that's upsetting for you. But we really don't always understand that. We do think that our triggers are the responsibility of others or the world. And it just doesn't work that way, right? But this is also where we want to do enough work to understand if we're dating someone whose lifestyle is just nothing but a constant trigger for us. Sometimes it's too much for us to deal with. Because in healthy adult conscious relationships, we weigh in on that. And just because we're attracted to someone, just because we want to be with someone, doesn't always mean that psychologically we can or it's appropriate. And we have to sometimes realize that, that maybe you're too anxiously attached and you have too much work to do to be with someone who's secure, someone who's just not willing to really keep dealing with that insecurity and that jealousy. 
or you're too avoidant and the person's again too healthy and secure and they're not gonna deal with the fact that you disappear for days at a time and aren't good at responding to text messages and expressing your feelings. Sometimes we get left behind, but that helps us again realize we have more work to do because we're missing out on being a part of the lives of people we want to be a part of the lives of. It's all of our responsibilities to look at what our wounds are and our traumas and heal them so we can be good for someone. Because in healthy relationships, we're good for them, they're good for us. They make our life bigger, our life better, right? And again, we can't create or manifest this, but we, we do the work on ourselves, right? And we create the necessary conditions upon which relationship can emerge, right? But we have to take responsibility for that, that's us. Because again, remember, every style of dating can kind of fall into two camps, right? It's either game playing and manipulation or it's open and honest and kind and fair. And I want us to really lean into that. Um, but take this as a chance to say to yourself, what are the things in dating or in my current relationship that tend to upset me? And I need to stop making that my partner's responsibility. Because again, I'm talking about in the context of a healthy relationship. If you're talking about a partner who's physically or emotionally abusive, the work is on getting out of that. I'm not talking about that kind of relationship. I'm talking about when you're with someone healthy and you're constantly upset about something. You have to sit at some point and say, that means I have triggers and I have work to do. I'm always upset about something. They're a good person, but I'm always wanting them to do different, be better, or change or shift. What do I learn about myself? Where's my work? Do I have to be more confident? Do I have to be more trusting? Do I have to let go more? Do I have to do a little more self-regulation because I'm always asking them to be responsible for resolving whatever happens? Because again, there has to be some assessment of dating readiness. How much of an open wound am I? Or am I secure and grounded enough with enough great coping mechanisms where I'm gonna be good to be dated, I'm gonna be fun to be brought in. But if you're a mess and you're gonna make someone's life harder and you're always upset and you're always fighting and there's always conflict, you are not ready to date or to be dated. You need to pause, step back, really look at the relationship you've been in, where's your work, what does it help you learn about yourself, what are your struggles, and improve on that. We can do that on our own. We can also step into some therapy and work on that. But the work needs to be done. It's not on the other to just make sure they never get us triggered. It's on us to learn our triggers. So sit with all that. The work is about being securely attached to start to step into those behaviors, to start to find partners that live in that way and to build that kind of relationship. And uh, we do that by knowing our triggers. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be uh, gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey 
podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back. And uh, now it's time to glide into the DMs. Brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I just broke up with my girlfriend about nine months ago. During that time, she became really close with my friends. Well, yeah, that's what happens, right? Even after breaking up, she still goes over to their house. She's hanging out with them, and I feel like I'm left in the dark, and I'm getting my friends taken away from me. Pretty lonely, even though they say they are my friends, and that I always come first. I know they're still my friends. I feel lonely. Um, so let's break this down slowly. I want everyone to hear this. <clears throat> If you introduce people to other people, they might form friendships. They have a right to do that. If you don't want the person you're dating or friends with to be friends with your other friends, don't introduce them. Because here's the other part you have to remember. You don't get to tell people who their friends are, right? So if you introduce people and they get along, they're allowed to exchange numbers and become friends. And if you break up, you don't get to tell your friends to break up with them as well. They get to maintain and keep their friendship. That's family members as well. My mom still talks to some of my exes because they met her a lot, spent time with her, traveled on vacations. They exchanged numbers. They built a friendship. It was cute. It was sweet. And I remember my mom saying to me, hey, she said this a couple times during breakups. Do you want me to not talk to them anymore? And I said, no, you have a real relationship with them. You get to honor that and keep that going. Thank you. But no, you honor that. Just because I'm not talking doesn't mean you have to stop. That's not what adults do. It's okay that you talk to them. Why would it not be? What, what, what am I anxious or afraid of? My mom has healthy boundaries. She's not going to be discussing me and sharing me. They have their own relationship, and so do these people. My fear is that you've actually leaned out and that you're creating the space and distance. You know that they're still keeping in contact, which they should. They're friends now. You did that. And you might now be not reaching out or holding a grudge. And so I think the work is probably you. You need to keep reaching out to your friends. You need to keep making plans with them. And you might also learn need to learn to be an adult and see your ex out while you're all out together. But it should be okay because we're leaving relationships lovingly. When things are breaking up and falling apart, we don't need to make it nasty. We're leaving with our integrity. And so you should be able to see them. And if not, let your friends know that. You know, I want to still see you guys. So can we still do our big Friday night out? And can you hang out with my ex another time? And I'm sure they'll honor that. But the really, the bigger point I want everyone to walk away with is if you introduce people, you run the risk of them connecting. That is what we do. That's what we introduce people for. And if you all spend time together for nine months, they build a real relationship and then you don't get to control that. We don't get to tell anyone who their friends are. 
whether we're with this person married to them or not, you know? And so if you don't feel as though you want to run the risk of your friends still being friends with an ex, do not introduce them and do not all hang out together. Because if you all hang out together, they are forming their own relationship that you don't get to have control over and it can feel bad. So I know that's a little bit of a harsh answer or tough love, but that's how that goes. Um, so keep close, keep reaching out, keep making plans. You know, I'm afraid, like I said, that you're the one creating that space and that distance and that it's not even them. Because we sometimes do that. We actually create that which we're afraid of having happen, distance. So just make sure you're, you're following up as you normally do and you're as present as you normally are and you're as active as you normally are, you know? And, and again, leave relationships lovingly so you don't have to worry about seeing them. Ideally in a world, we can see our exes. We can be friends with our exes. We can wave to them. Our new partner can wave to them. Hey, that's my ex. Let me go introduce you. This is a person who used to be a part of my life. You should be able to shake hands, hug and say hello, right? But we live in a world where we, we make them an enemy and your new partner is mean and afraid of them or upset at their name. And it's like, oh my God, grow up. Like we're trying to be adults. 2021, we're being better this year. You know what I mean? So all should be well. Your friends love you. They said that you're still a priority. So <clears throat> lean into that. Allow that to be shown. You know what I mean? Again, sometimes we are part of creating the kind of world that we're afraid of. So just be very thoughtful about that. Um, all right, got a great show planned for you tomorrow. So make sure you join us tomorrow. We're gonna be talking about dun 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 how to get the spark back. Oh yes, sometimes long-term relationships, long-term committed monogamous relationships, it's an expected stage. So we're not gonna panic, but we're gonna talk it out and learn how to make sure it doesn't happen. But if it does, how to kind of get back on track. And if you got a DM for us, as always, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, follow us back and uh, past episodes of Loveline. They're always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, click on my face, bam. And uh, make sure you spend the rest of the night doing a little bit of rest of some kind, right? Tons of joy and pleasure and uh, self-care. Um, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and, uh, enjoy and take care and be kind to each other. Have a good rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.